Good morning. Good morning. I invite you to turn open to Daniel chapter 5. Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple, which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the kings and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler of the kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled, his countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you, that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you, and you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, You shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, All peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. 
They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not troubled your heart, or have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines, have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Eupharsin. This is the interpretation of each word, Mene. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Let's pray. Father God, give you thanks and praise, Lord, for today, for your love and your mercy and your grace, and most of all, for your son, Father. And I would just ask your blessing on this time and your anointing on Jackie, Lord, that uh, you give him the words to speak that you want us to hear, Lord. And I pray that you open our hearts and our ears, Lord, to receive that word. You tell us that your word will not return void, Father, and I pray that uh, we leave changed people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It has been said that uh, we spend our lives <clears throat> on a search for significance. One of, the, one of the things we recognize as mankind is that exactly what God told Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2. You remember, Nebuchadnezzar was worried about the direction the world was going, what was going to happen to his kingdom, what was going to take place. And so God told him, in a dream of a statue, remember, head of gold, chest of silver, uh, belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, feet with iron mixed with clay. He told him through that dream, as the stone, not cut out with hands, crushed this uh, statue that was ever-changing, right? Gold, silver, silver, bronze, bronze, iron, iron, iron mixed with clay. What's the point? The kingdoms of men are always changing. And they're always degrading. They're not usually going, getting better. They have a tendency toward getting less valuable. Right? Start out as gold, then silver, then bronze, then iron. And so we see that, that, that the Lord tells Nebuchadnezzar, your, your kingdom is not eternal. The kingdom of man is not eternal. But what happened is the rock that crushed that statue grew into a mountain that filled the whole earth. Which is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is eternal. Amen. The kingdom of men is temporal. Temporary. From chapter 4 to chapter 5, 30 years have passed. King Nebuchadnezzar has been dead for 22 years. 
In those 22 years, there's been something like four different moves for the throne. Four different people who have ruled for a, a brief period of time. Evil Merodach is the first one. Not evil like, yeah, uh, uh, evil. Evil like evolution. E-V-O-L. I don't know how else to say that name. So, evil Merodach, he becomes, he was Nebuchadnezzar's son. But, but after evil Merodach, we have Neregalizer, Labishi Marduk, and then Nabonidus. And Nabonidus, after all this ruckus has been going on for the past 22 years, he's like, you know, I'm really done with Babylon. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go build an empire and a kingdom in Arabia. I'm going to put my palace over there. I don't want to live here no more. So he said there's going to be a second ruler in the kingdom. The second ruler, his name's going to be Belshazzar. Belshazzar is going to rule from Babylon. Nabonidus is going to rule from Arabia. First king, second king. And what is it that Belshazzar says about Daniel? I'll make you the what? Third ruler. Third ruler of the nation. Doesn't last long. Not even 24 hours. Because <laughs> Belshazzar don't know that his world's already falling apart. And we look at the world and the things that are going on around us. Sometimes we don't even recognize death is inevitable. And the closer that comes, the more feeble our efforts at trying to build some kind of significance for ourselves look. The more feeble it gets, the more we realize, well, what's all this? The work of my hands. Well, where's it going to go next? Is this what makes me significant in the world? Is this what sets me apart? And that was Belshazzar's struggle all along. So, I want you to picture four days... Uh, well, we'll say a few days earlier, Nabonidus and his whole army met the army of the Medo-Persians. That's the army of uh, Cyrus and Darius the Mede. They meet this army just outside of Babylon. And they have this epic battle in which Nabonidus gets worked. The armies of Babylon get hammered, blown up, handled. So Nabonidus runs away. That was the first ruler. So everybody looked to who? Second ruler of the kingdom, who is cooped up in Babylon. So all the lords and all the people outside of the city, when this army comes, where do they all run to? They all run into the city walls, right? That's how it works. They flee into the city walls. They come into the city walls, and they close the walls. And in Babylon, they have enough food for 20 years. That's a long time, right? They're hoping you're going to get bored trying to conquer them in 20 years if you can't get in the wall. And they have all the water they could ever want. Why? Because the city's built around the river Euphrates. So the Euphrates River flows right through the city. So you're going to have to stop the Euphrates River if you're going to starve them for water. I mean, you're probably not going to be able to do that. So they think we're pretty comfortable here. So I just want you to picture as we look at this crazy party that they throw, just understand on the other side of that wall is certain death. The end of an era. The change from the gold head to the silver uh, shoulders. The, the change is taking place. So <coughs> as that's out there, Belshazzar is thinking, what, what am I going to leave? What is the total sum of my life what does it all add up to 
And in his despair, he just throws a party. Do we really do it any different? When we're faced with our own mortality, let's take a look. Daniel 5, verse 1. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords, drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he had tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and the lords, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. Then he brought the golden vessels that they had taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines, they drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron. Interesting, no? Gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. He throws this party in the, in the, in the face of, of certain destruction. In certain destruction. The date, October 12th, 539 B.C. Isn't it crazy that we know that? The Nabonidus Chronicle tells us about it. <coughs> so we're able to look at it. But here's what happens. He does three things. And, and, and I think it's the same three things we do or that mankind does when faced with his own either insignificance or significance. Trying to build his own kingdom. What's he do? He, he, he's, he's first looking in the realm of reveling in romance. What do I mean? Well, just look at it. He's got... All the lords and all the ladies. It, just, it was not normal for the king to cut loose his, his harem and let them party with all the guys. Right? It just doesn't seem odd to you? Oh, hey, girls. Yeah, you don't got to stay here no more. Let's just go out here and get hammered. So they come in. They, they go out. What is it? It's, it is reveling in the romance. Now, here's how some people try to build significance. I build a family. My significance is in my family and how big my family is or how broad my family is. Some people build their significance on conquering relationships. And so men move from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship. Some women do the same thing. What's the point of it all? They're grappling for significance. Remember Solomon, the wisest guy, he wrote this book called Ecclesiastes in which he says, Life is empty and without meaning. I'll sum the whole book up for you. Life is empty and without meaning if you don't have God in your life. Amen. And so there, so that's what he does. He brings, he cuts all the girls loose. He brings all the lords and the ladies together, and they revel in that in that concept. They revel in in the romance. They revel in drunkenness. They just have this this time where they can let's just forget about what's happening out there. Come on, how many people? That's how they live their life. I don't want to think about what's happening out there. So I work all week so I can get to Friday and get hammered and not remember Saturday or Sunday and then I'll just get back to the grind on Monday. That's not a new condition. If we're honest, some of us came from that condition. And if we're even more honest, some of us might still be in it. But it's this clamoring... To, to lay hold of something significant or self-medicated out of my life. I don't want to have to think about it. The next thing they do is, is, is he brings out the gold and the silver that Nebuchadnezzar got, right? So he, he starts to revel in past achievements. You guys never seen anybody do that, right? 
They start to revel in, hey, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, man, he smoked them Jews. And, and look, these are the things we got from him. Oh, those were the good old days. Yeah? The older I get, the better I was. Isn't that how it goes? And, and certainly the more wine we drink, the better those days were. They just keep getting better. Don't think we can remember them all that clear, but they just keep getting better. So they, they're searching for significance in all these areas. They're, they're looking at their achievements. But it's not his achievements. He's just looking in the achievements of the past, the glory days. Right outside the wall, certain doom. The army's gathered. They're coming any day. In fact, they're coming that night. There's really not much of a battle. So they're trying to cling and revel in their achievements. And then the last thing they do is he says he praises the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. So not only is he, is he reveling in, in uh, sensuality or sexual con- conquest, he's not only reveling in his drunkenness or in the past achievements, now he's, he's reveling in his understanding of the gods. Oh, let me tell you how the whole thing with the gods works out. Look, folks, I've been to these parties. I guarantee that's the same pattern that happens every time. Man trying to cling to his own significance. There's a fellow named Ernest Becker. He wrote a book in 1973. He's kind of a a famous agnostic. Uh, The name of the book was The Denial of Death. And I just want to read an excerpt from it for you to kind of get you an idea of what's in the mind of Belshazzar. Okay, you with me? Same kind of guy. If our death is personal extinction, so that when we die there's no continuance, there's nothing that survives, there's nothing that goes on, and if the sun's death is civilization's extinction, so when the sun dies, all the years of civilization will, uh, will be just insignificant in relationship to the oceans of dead time before and that come after. So nobody will ever be around to remember anything that was done. If death is the end, nobody can live like that. Because nothing matters, and everything is empty, and life has no value. That's not my words, that's his. If that's all there is, then man ought to just eat, Drink and be merry, and tomorrow we die. If that's all that it's all about. So this is Belshazzar's predicament. Trying on the last night of his life to cling to some kind of significance. To try to cling to something that makes his life make sense. And so that's what he's trying to do. In verse 5 it says, While this party's going on, immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared. Now that's a little trippy, right? Come on. Tell me that don't make you sober right now. Right now. Woo-hoo, crazy. So this hand appears, begins to write on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. Opposite the lampstand. I always thought that was interesting. The lampstand. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But the king saw the hand as it wrote, and the king's color changed. So he gets pale. And his thoughts alarmed him. That's Bible speak for he's freaking out. And his limbs give way. His limbs give way and his knees knock together. So 
You guys get it, right? He's behaving just like we would if we were there too. Man, are you kidding me? He's freaking. He's fallen to the ground. He can't stand up. So the king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this and tells me what it means, whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation, I'm going to put purple on him. Woohoo! And I'm going to give him a chain of gold around his neck, and he'll be the third ruler in the kingdom. I'm going to make him a third king. Now let me just tell you something. We all know there's only one king that matters, right? So you're the third king of nothing. Everybody wants to sign up for that gig, right? Well, let me, let me remind you. Let me remind you, in Daniel chapter 2, we'll look at it in a minute. Daniel was already the third ruler. Nebuchadnezzar already gave him Babylon, and how, what good? That didn't even last 30 years. Before the next guy took over, and everybody forgot who Daniel was. So, <coughs> it says, And all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. They couldn't understand what it was all about. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed. His color changed, and his lords were perplexed. So the party's over. Party's over. The writing's on the wall. And they know there's some significance to the writing on the wall. But they don't know what it means. They don't know what God's trying to tell them. So just then, in verse 10, it says, The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall. Now this queen is the queen mother. This goes back to Nebuchadnezzar. Some people think this is Nebuchadnezzar's wife. That every king that came along kept her as queen because that gave them authority. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar's wife's still alive, so she's the queen mother. But uh, we don't really listen to her for very much. Kind of like you guys with your moms, right? Oh, no, we all listen to our mom. Oh, you're sitting next to her. Okay, I understand. <laughs> I understand. So, so she comes in and she says, Oh, king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There's a man in your kingdom in who is the spirit of the holy gods. Not the holy God. So, chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar gets saved. He comes face to face with the power of Almighty God. He proclaims with his own lips who God is. And in a generation, 30 years, that's all gone. That's all gone. And they are... They are right back to, yeah, there used to be this guy who was so smart, and we think that the gods gave him all this wisdom. It's like starting over again, right? Daniel is, there's this guy, and it says, In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, astrologers, because an excellent spirit, knowledge, an understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. So let Daniel be called, and he will show you the interpretation. So she comes in and says, don't worry, call Daniel. You need to call Daniel. She remembers a little bit about it. So that means Daniel has been relegated to obscurity by this time. 
So under Nebuchadnezzar, he's the top dog in the wise man chain. He's leading the school. He's, I'm sure, instituting scripture. I think that's why we have three wise men come to the birth of Christ. So he's, he's doing all this stuff. And then as, as you have all that shifting, right? You had Nebuchadnezzar solid, but then all the leadership kind of goes wonky, right? And nobody really sure who's king and all this chaos happens. And nobody cares about Daniel no more. Nobody's listening to Daniel no more. Nobody wants to hear what Daniel has to say. So he's in his retirement villa somewhere in Babylon, just kicking back, thinking, man, remember that dream God gave Nebuchadnezzar? Look at that army out there, man. The silver's about to come. Crazy. Crazy. And so Belshazzar, after hearing about this Daniel guy, you know, I just want to remind you, it says, your father, Nebuchadnezzar. It's like, it's, like, um, it's like using the word your predecessor. People who came before you, they would call him your father. Doesn't mean uh, Belshazzar was actually his kid. It just means his predecessor, the guy who was at the head of the line, that was called your father. Your father. So he says, like your predecessor, the one before you, Nebuchadnezzar, that guy. <coughs> he used Daniel. You need to call him. So Belshazzar calls him. Daniel was brought forth before the king. And the king answered and said to Daniel, You are Daniel. I'm pretty sure Daniel knew that, right? But. Sometimes people who are in authority are sure they need to tell us who we are before we can actually be who we are. Right? You ever have people like that? This is how I get my significance, by telling you how insignificant you are. <laughs> Not experienced that? So, you're Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, Judah uh, from the king... My father, or whom the king my father brought from Judah. I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you, and the light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, uh, who have been brought before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, they, they could not show me the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. So if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation... I'm going to clothe you in purple, and you will have a chain of gold around your neck, and you will be the third ruler of the kingdom. So he starts it off, reminding Daniel who he is. Remember, you're just a captive. You wouldn't even be here if my father Nebuchadnezzar hadn't brought you. All the things that Nebuchadnezzar learned about the fact that God's the one who raises up kings and provides and gives authority, is lost on Belshazzar. He's lost all of those lessons. They're gone. Not that he shouldn't know. It just didn't matter to him. So he said, I've heard you're a wise guy. You used to run all these wise guys. So the gods give you wisdom. And my wise men, they just can't do it. Now don't you guys wish we had wise men today? Oh, we do. Yeah, well, think about it. Every time an election happens somewhere, all the wise guys get on TV. And they tell us, what happened? And they look around and say, I don't know what happened, what happened? And they, So the wise guys are just as dumb now as they were back then. Only now they have titles. Now they're the psychologist, the sociologist, the PhD, the doctor of history, the, the guy who studied all the politics in the world but can't figure out why the politics are crazy today. The wise guys are still the same. 
they're still the same. They still struggle <coughs> with bringing an interpretation to what's going on. Now, God's Word doesn't. God's Word tells us what's going on, but nobody wants to hear it. But the, but the wise guys always struggle. There's a, a lady, Becky Pippert. She wrote a book. When she was taking her counseling and psychology courses in Har- Harvard, her psychology professor, were, they were doing a case study. And in the case study, they had this guy. His whole life had been ruined because of his bitterness toward his mom. He was so bitter with his mom that bitterness had ruined every relationship he had. It ruined his marriage, ruined his relationship with his kids, ruined his job. It, it, all his whole life fell apart. So he goes through this whole lecture and then they're going on. And this woman, she raises her hand in class. She says, whoa, professor, can't we do something to help him? And he said, well, no, not in psychology. She goes, oh, yeah, we can. What are you talking about? We tell them, you know, you're okay. I mean, a lot of people struggle with their hatred and feelings and bitterness with their mom. But you just gotta, you just gotta come to the place where you can forgive her. You just gotta come to forgive her. And, and the, the professor stood his ground. And he says, no. No. Why not? He said, because as soon as you left the realm of science to the realm of well, it's okay, and you can do this to forgive. You left psychology. He said, you should go to the school of divinity if you want to learn how to teach someone to forgive. There's no answers there. They can tell you what's wrong. You're broken. I can do it a lot quicker and for less money. <laughs> Come to me and say, Jackie, man, my life, there's all this stuff's going on in my life, and you lay it all out for me. And I won't even charge you a nickel. I'll say, I know it's wrong. You're broke. And you won't be really broke because you won't have paid me $150 an hour to find that out. We're broke. We're all broke. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53 that by His stripes, by the stripes of Christ, we are made whole. We're broken. Apart from a relationship with God, apart from Jesus Christ in our life, we're broke. Now, Jesus in our life don't mean we're not going to have problems, but now we've found our significance. It's not in me. It's in Him. It's in being and doing the things that God is calling and asking me to do. The wise guys don't have answers. It just trips me out. I, I, my wife, I don't know why she does, but she likes to watch all them political pundits. Gosh. It's torture. And I watch all these guys talk, and they, they just can't figure things out. Can't figure it out. Can't figure it out. Can't, let me tell you. I'll tell you what's going on. Uh, the United States is fed up. Now, we might shoot ourselves in the foot over it, because I never had a time when the wrath of man produced something good. I'm really angry, so I'm going to make a decision when I'm mad. That's never happened well for me. That's Somehow it's always been, oops, oh, wish I would have calmed down before I did said that. But nonetheless, the United States is angry. They're mad. They're mad. God told us in Daniel chapter 2 that the government of mankind is constantly in a spiral down. And the only kingdom that lasts is the kingdom of God. 
But that, that's something we don't want to hear. We don't want to hear. The world has become experts on religion. They don't know Jesus, but they're experts on religion. They're experts on the Bible, but they never read it. But they're experts on the Bible. They're experts on all the contradictions that are supposed to be in there. But every time I run into one of those guys, I say, show me. I, I don't know where it's at. I just heard. Yeah, well, well, that's a good idea. Let's just go by what you heard. I heard pigs could fly. That don't make them have wings. We want to understand and know. And so here's Daniel coming. Here's Daniel. The king has a problem, so he promises something that really is empty, right? You can, you can be the third ruler of nothing. Right outside the walls, huge army. They're going to conquer us any day. Uh, you can be king. Woo! Hallelujah! So happy. I'd be king for a day before they come in here and say, Who's the king? You are. Okay, you're dead. Now I'm the king. Yeah, I don't want that job. I don't want that job. So here's what Daniel says. Look at verse 17. And Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want your stuff. And give your reward to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king, (coughs) excuse me, and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God. Now he's not saying, the gods told me. What's he saying? King, the most high God. The God above all other gods. The king of kings. The Lord of lords. He's the one who who is going to be giving him the answer. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship. Yeah, your dad was only king because God made him king. And he gave him greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples and nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed. And whom he would, he kept alive. And whom he would, he raised up. And whom he would, he humbled. Daniel had lived that. Daniel's just a slave. And he made him this chief guy of all the wise men in the whole land of Babylon. Whoever the king wanted to, he raised up. If he didn't want you, he put you down. That was a good day if he just put you down. He didn't throw you in the fire or something else that he did. Cut off your head and make your house a, a dung heap. That means they dumped all the toilet stuff at your place. It's not, a, it's not a great deal, right? This was King Nebuchadnezzar. But it says, when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. So God showed him who he was. Remember? Nebuchadnezzar kept walking around saying, look at this kingdom I have built. And Daniel said, whoa, king, I hope you last a long time, but you keep talking like that. You're not giving glory to God. God's the one who made you king. God's the one who gave you all these good things. God's the one who has blessed you. Give glory to God, man, and and you'll continue on. And the king heard him for a while, but then one day he's walking around and he goes, Oh, man, I'm such an amazing guy. I built all this stuff. And his mind left him. Gone. Until he acknowledged that God is king of all. That God is... Sovereign over all. So the the Bible tells it was seven passed over him. That's all it says. Seven. So people argue. Seven what? It doesn't really make any difference. Seven days would have been enough for me. But I'm I'm guessing it was longer than that. 
some say seven years. He's crazy. His kingdom doesn't fall. His kingdom doesn't change. Nobody tries to take over. Why? Because God's in control. That's what God's showing him. I'm in control, man. I got this. I got it. So this is what Daniel's rehearsing for, <clears throat> for Belshazzar. He's reminding him about all this. He was driven from among the children of mankind. His mind was made like that of a beast. His dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He, he was fed grass like an ox, and his body was wet <coughs> with the dew of heaven until he knew the Most High God rules the kingdom of man and sets over it whom he will. First thing he does. Look, I don't want your gifts. You don't need to pay me because what I'm going to give you is free. It's the word of God. So people come to me and say, Jackie, I'd like some counseling. Cool. I'll provide you all the counsel you want. Are, are you licensed? Nope. So you don't have to pay for that. Do you know anything? Not really. I don't know much. <laughs> what I do know is what the Word of God says. So what I will give you is what God's Word says. That's free. You don't got to give me no gifts or rewards or make me the third ruler of the kingdom. I'm just going to tell you what God's Word says. That's what Daniel's telling him. I'm just going to tell you what the Word of God says. I'm going to tell you what God is laying out for you. He reminded Belshazzar of all the journey that Nebuchadnezzar had been through. That he had forgotten about. How Nebuchadnezzar had learned that his significance was in a relationship with God Almighty. That God <clears throat> was in charge. Ultimately what he learns, King Nebuchadnezzar, his prestige and his power were given to him by the Lord. His prestige and his power. The Bible says every good thing we have comes from our Father in Heaven. How many good things? Every. What about the good thing you earned? You went to school, you did all this hard work, still a gift to you from God. It's all a gift from God. It's called grace. God's grace bestowed upon the world he loves. And he loves to give good gifts. But he also likes to be appreciated for the good gifts he gives. And not the way so many people think, well, I've done all this. I made all these things. I'm so amazing. So, in verse 22, Daniel says, And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. Though you knew all this, and you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of his house have been brought before you. You and your lords, your wives, your concubines, have drunk wine from them. You have praised the gods of silver and gold, the bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath, and whose are all your ways, you have not honored. You praise all these dumb things. Talk about how you know so much about all these things that don't matter, but the God in whose hand is your breath, you won't honor. You won't honor him. Man, God has given us so much, hasn't he? And we want to be able to remember. It's kind of amazing because one of the reasons when they chose Daniel, remember? They said they needed to choose someone who was willing to stand before the king. To give the hard word. 
Is that you? Because in this world today, man, there's a lot of hard words that need to get delivered. Because people are blind, man. It's crazy how nutty we're getting. We just don't see wrong no more. We don't see it. We're blind. And a lot of times the the church don't want to say, Hey, 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 whoa, that's wrong, man. What are you doing? How How do you not know that's wrong? You should know that's wrong. Everybody knows it's wrong. Are you willing to be like Daniel? Stood before the king, second most powerful guy in the world, at least for the next 24 hours. And he said... Yeah, you should have learned this lesson, man. You should have learned from your father who went before you. You're all lifted up with pride. You are the center of your universe, and you are so busy looking for your own significance that you can't realize your significance is found when you have a relationship with God Almighty. But you don't find it. You don't see it. Until the handwriting's on the wall. Are we able to be that person? Are we able to say it? Are we able to tell somebody? Well, they might not like me. Yeah, Jesus said the world hated him. If you wanted to love you, you're probably in the wrong business. If you're going to follow Jesus, the natural recourse of your life should mean people don't like you if you're going to stand for him. I mean, that's kind of where we're headed. You don't see that? Ladies and gentlemen, the handwriting is on the wall. The handwriting is on the wall. He failed to learn from history. He failed to learn that everything that we have from God is a gift. He failed to understand (coughs) that He is created and endowed by His Creator with certain inalienable rights. Where would that come from? What do you mean he's endowed by a creator? We don't believe in a creator no more. I think we ought to throw that whole document away. Oh, well, we've kind of thrown most of it out anyway. Right? That all men are created equal? Where'd that come from? That didn't come from a mind of man. Where'd it come from? The Word of God. That we're all created in the image of God. That every man has value. That every man has worth. That every man should have a place in society. Where did those ideas come from? Where did this country come from? Man, it was birthed out of men and women who believed the Bible that they were studying and reading. And who put the labor together with the power of God's grace and built this place. Amen. That's where we came from. But today, guys, today, we're living in the time of Belshazzar. And the king don't know it. But the writing's on the wall. He rebelled against he who was in control. So, then from his presence, in verse 24, the hand was sent and the writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed. Many, many, tekel, you farsin. Or, end, Perez. Eupharsin is a plural form of and Perez. <coughs> um, some of the Bibles, when they transcribed it, they just transcribed the whole thing. Other ones put the word and. And so instead of Eupharsin, it says and Perez. Many, many tekel Eupharsin. Look, it's not 
hard. You could go to language school and read it. It's not hard to understand. Well, it's easy. Let's look. Many. Many means numbered. It's repeated twice for significance. It's a past participle. So it means you have been numbered. The next, tekel, means weighed. It's a past participle. Means you have been weighed. And Perez, you means and. Farson is is plural for the word Perez. Uh, it means broken. Now think about it. You are numbered. You're weighed. You're broken. And that been the message that God's been given to His people since the beginning of time. Do we live forever? So our days are what? Numbered. Are we able in and of ourselves to find our own significance, to build a world that will last by our own sweat? No. So you've been weighed. And man, we're a mess. Please turn on the news and look at the dumb stuff we do to each other. The hatred in the heart of mankind knows no bounds. It's just looking for somebody to be poured on. And it don't matter, man. We, we, we have one enemy this week, and, and in ten years will be a new one. It don't matter. There's always somebody to hate. Why is it so easy? Because we're broke. We're broke. Our days are numbered. We've been weighed and found wanting. We are broken. There's an endless cycle of insignificance in the life of mankind apart from God. Endless cycle of insignificance. None of us live forever. None of us can build anything that lasts. Shoot, we're going to go in November to Israel and look at places that are falling down. You know, the funny part is we're going to pay like four grand to go do it. Oh, come on. Let's go look at a bunch of broken down cities. Let's go look at rubble. That's, well, I don't want to talk you out of Israel. So there's good stuff there too, but. You guys get what I mean? What are we looking at? We're not looking at things that are still standing. We're not looking at stuff that's still there. Why? Because man can't make it last. Why can't man make it last? Because man's broken. All man knows how to do is hate his brother, and he's done it since Genesis chapter 3. The first thing man ever did was kill his brother. The last thing man's ever going to do, kill his brother. When Jesus came to redeem the world, what did we do? Killed him. That's why he came. He knew we were going to do that. That was part, part of the plan. It wasn't like, a, oops, I didn't see that coming. That was part of the plan, right? But look, we look at this section of Scripture, we look at Belshazzar, and it just I see the whole world, and I hear the word of Daniel to us. This is the interpretation. God has numbered the days of your kingdom. You have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided, broken. And it's going to be given to the Medes and the Persians. They're just outside. So, so what's the king do? 
here's your purple stuff. Cool. Yeah, I'll be out of season tomorrow when the new king's here. Here's your gold chain. Thanks. <coughs> That's nice. You're the third ruler of the kingdom. Yeah, the kingdom's not going to last the rest of the night. <laughs> Listen to what's happening while this party's going on. Cyrus and Darius, they start to dam up the Euphrates River. All they're trying to do is divert it a little. And they are actually able to do so. They divert the Euphrates River. And while this party is happening, the whole army is walking in under the wall. Where the river used to be. They just walk into the city. There's no battle. The average guy living in Babylon didn't even know anything happened. There's just a new king. There's a new kingdom in town. But Belshazzar's day was gone. was over. Time's up. All that stuff going on, Belshazzar, all that, all that news coming. <clears throat> but you don't want to repent? You don't want to bow the knee before the hand that's running on the wall in front of you and say, Lord, I'm, I'm a mess. God, I'm broken. and Save me. Because the Bible's pretty clear, guys. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But here's the truth and the reality. Not everybody will do it. Because in the heart of some man, it's just that rebellion won't let go. Man, I, I don't care. I don't want him. The whole book of Revelation reads like that, man. Tragedy after tragedy, I won't call on the name of the Lord. I don't want him. I'm mad at God. But he's the only one who can make sense out of it all. He's the only one who can bring, in, bring the significance into our life. Well, let's fast forward for a minute to Jesus. Let's, let's bring it around to where we can see. In John chapter, or no, I'm sorry, Luke. Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the the 70, sends out the disciples two by two. Go. And they are, what do they do? They're feeding the hungry. And they're, they're visiting the prisoner. What are, they, what are they doing? They're healing the sick. They're casting out demons. They're transforming lives everywhere they go. And then when they come back to Jesus, they come back to Jesus and they're all stoked and they're all excited. In the next chapter, Luke chapter 11, Jesus goes into a town and says there's a guy suffering with a demon. And so Jesus, because he is who he is, he casts out the demon. And the people in the town said, you know, he does that by the power of Beelzebub. He does it by the power of the devil. That's how he's casting out the devil. And Jesus looks at him. Just listen to what he says to him. He looks at him and he says, a house divided against itself can't stand. But listen, but if I do this by the finger of God, the kingdom of God is upon you. The writing's on the wall. There Jesus is. What is it that he's looking for from his people? What is he looking for from us? How how do we help since we live in the kingdom of Belshazzar? The same thing the disciples were doing. What were they doing? They're feeding the hungry. 
They're giving clothes to the people who ain't got no clothes. They're, they're reaching out and doing all the things that Jesus said. They're going to know that you're my disciple by the way you express love, by the way you love others, by the way you love your brethren. What did Jesus say in Matthew was 25? He said, in the division of the sheep and the goats, the ones who are his and the ones who aren't. He said, when I was hungry, you... When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When did we do all these things for you, Lord? When you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. When he sent out the twelve, isn't that the same job he gave them? Did he give them a different job? Nope, same job. When we come to the Great Commission, where Jesus is going up into heaven and His final words to His disciples. He says, go therefore. He says, all authority in heaven. That, by the way, is a mind-blowing statement, right? You guys understand? All authority has been given to me in heaven. What's that make Jesus? That makes Jesus God, folks. All authority in heaven. I have all authority in heaven. That'd be a pretty bold statement if you're not God, right? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of every nation. Go everywhere you can go and do what? Baptize them and teach them the things that I have taught you. Teach them the things that I have commanded you. And then what did he say? And know this, I am with you forever. Even to the end of the age. And the handwriting's on the wall. And the question for you and I is, you read it? Do you understand what it says? Look, all the wise men could read the words. They just didn't get what they meant. Daniel's the one that could tell them what they meant. Your days are numbered. There's nothing you can do to make your life of value apart from giving your life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's where you'll find significance. Are you kidding me, man? There's nothing like it. There's nothing like going to a, a being in the, the rainforest in Peru and looking at a dude who fell out of a tree who split from his earlobe all the way to his hip. And doctors can't help him. They keep sewing together with rope. So you and I, when we go to the doctor, they, they use stitches. But this dude, he, he, he popped open like a gourd. And he's, they won't close. And, and he's got this infection, and his infection won't go away. And there's nothing they can do for the people who are coming around and praying for him. And they're pretty sure that, the, that he's just going to die. And I'm thinking to myself, this can't be really happening. Why? Well, gosh, like... Six weeks ago, I had my second back surgery, and, and I told the doctor when he did the second back surgery, I said, look, doc, use staples. Don't glue me. I'm a bad patient. I won't do what you tell me to do. I don't care what stories you say. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to split it open. It's going to get infected. I'm going to have problems. But the doc, because all doctors know better than the person that they're working on, so he glued me. And I didn't listen to the doctor. And it split open. And got infected. And I told him, look, doc, I'm going to Peru, man. And uh, I'd rather not have some worm living in my back when I get home. So can you hook me up? So he gave me this bottle of pills to 
for infection like this. And then he sent me all the way to the rainforest to a dude that needed those pills. And I gave them all to him. I didn't come back with a worm in my back. I was okay. And then and the next time I heard from that guy, it's all healed. See, God gives me significance. Not, what am I going to say? Oh, I was so smart, dude. I, I got an infection in my back and I went to the doctor and I got all this stuff. Is that what I'm going to do? No, I'm going to go, man, God's got this thing together. I'm just walking around like a bumbling idiot all the time. And God's putting the pieces together and making it work. That's where our significance comes from. From allowing God to use us. From being willing to stand up and say, okay, then here am I. What can I do? What can I do? Hey guys, we need help all the time. We got little kids that need loved on every Sunday. We got little kids that need loved on during the week. We got people in town we got to share the gospel with. We got people in Twin Falls. We got to, we got to try to, to open their eyes to some of the crazy things that they're doing. We got stuff, man. It's got to happen. We can put our head in the sand and say, it's going to get better, but that's not what the statue said. The statue said gold, silver, bronze, iron, iron mixed with clay. I can't imagine we're gold. Feels a lot like iron and clay, man. We don't stick together so good. Mom, but God has given us everything we need to be significant in this world today. All you got to do is say, here am I. All you got to do is say, I'm willing to go to jail. Cool. Talk to Georgie. He's gone. Or Daniel. One of the other guys going, talk to Susie for the ladies. She's gone. She's been gone for like 30 years. No? 40? Less. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that later. I'm going to stand over here. Look, um, you want to do some street evangelism, go stand out on the street, then talk to Bill Battery. I don't know if Bill's here, but talk to Bill. No? Talk to Jonathan, the bearded fellow that was reading. He's part of, uh, of Bill's crew that's going out in Twin and uh, hanging out at Planned Parenthood. Um, you want to find some way to get involved, come up and say, Man, Jack, I got this burden on my heart. Well, guess what? I'll tell you where that burden came from. That's God poking you with a stick like, dude. Come on, there's a thing here you need to get plugged into. If we ain't got it yet, just come up and say, Jackie, you know what, you, what, what, what we really need to do? But don't, don't start like that. Don't, don't start it with, Jackie, what you really need to do. Because I'm going to tell you, look, if God told you, maybe you ought to say, here I am. I'll help you do it. We got a job. Kick the darkness till it bleeds the light. And it's pretty dark right now. Amen. So let's do some kicking. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just come before you right now, Father. And I just thank you, God, that there's 
just an endless amount of relevance as we study your word, as we look at your word, as the things that your word declares to us, what your word is telling us. God, I pray that we would hold fast to it and we would say, look, God, this, this word, this, this book that you have given, the way that you have condescended to us to reveal yourself to us, man, I just take it all. I want that book to change the way I see the world. I want that book to change the things I do. I want that book to be everything. It's, it's the thing that you have shown me. It's the thing that you give me. <clears throat> so God, I pray that, that we as uh, men and women of the Word would become men and women of the Word, submitted in every way to what the Bible says. But I also pray that we recognize that, that it's not just some kind of intellectual battle. This is a spiritual battle. And the spiritual battle is fought because we have the Holy Spirit within us. So how did that happen? We have the Holy Spirit within us because we bow the knee to Jesus Christ. Because we said, it's not about me, it's about you. Because we said, I can't do this on my own. Because we said, I don't even know what I'm doing, God, I need you. There's not a formula because the word of God is clear. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, anyone who calls on him, here's something you can know for sure. You have been called by God. And anyone who will do it. Jesus said, I behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens the door and lets me in, I will come into him and sup with him. And that's communion. That's relationship. And then we have the Holy Spirit. So not only do we have the word of God to guide us in truth we have the holy spirit to empower us to be and do the things god's asking us to do so we got to be the whole body believer committed to our savior jesus christ filled with the holy spirit and committed to the truth of god's word God, I just pray that you would do that work in your church because right now, today, our nation is Belshazzar, man. The writing is on the wall. There aren't stellar times coming apart from you intervening in history. But God, you've called us, your church, to be salt and light. (coughs) So I pray, Lord, that that would be our desire. Today, as we leave, we would say, God, I want to be salt. I want to be light. I want to go shine in the darkness. I want to go be the flavor. I want to be the the thing that drives men to thirst. I want to be the thing that preserves. Because our nation's going to be preserved. It's not going to be because we elected a better king. It's going to be because we became a better people. So I pray, God, you help us do that. One life at a time. Because every life matters to you. Every life. So I pray, Lord Jesus, you pour out your spirit on your church. Thank you, Father, yes. And help us change our world. Transform it. That we become like you. God, be glorified in this place. And may we hold fast to the truth that we everything we need is in Jesus Christ our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.